Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Hello and welcome to episode 182 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle and this is the second episode of August 2016 and I actually recorded this episode last week immediately after a Kaiju-centric event happened all across the country. On August 18th, Rift Tracks, which is a comedy group that produces commentaries for movies, uh, they broadcast their tackling of the Toho Kaiju classic, Mothra. Now, if you've ever heard me talk about the original 1961 film, you'll know that I think it's really an amazing piece of kaiju cinema, and legitimately a great film, as far as I'm concerned. And, I'm sure like many of you, I was very skeptical at the notion of one of Toho's best films getting the Mystery Science Theater 3000 treatment because Mothra is not a bad movie, and that was really my main issue going into the experience. And maybe that was because I had never actually been to one of these Rift Tracks events. Rift Tracks is made up of three former crew members from the Satellite of Love from Mystery Science Theater 3000. I'm assuming you already knew that. Anyway, it's uh, Michael J. Nelson, who was a writer and cast member. Most notably, he was the Mike that replaced Joel Hodson's character. Kevin Murphy, whose voice is immediately recognizable as belonging to the gumball machine-headed robot Tom Servo. Oh, he also played uh, Professor Bobo in the final several years of the show's run. The third Rift Traxer is Bill Corbett, who actually replaced Trace Bayou as the voice of Crow T-Robot in Season 8 of, of course, MST3K. Now, I was fairly familiar, as in like a pretty casual fan, of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and I really enjoyed it when I was in college in the early 90s. But I never really obsessed over this show. It did introduce me to Gamera, though, and that is certainly the reason I have the fondness that I do for Gamera vs. Giron. And, of course, uh, you know, the Gamera song, too. Gamera! Anyway, since there's rarely any giant monster action happening in Portland, I thought this would be a great opportunity to get as much of the local kaiju core together as possible for a group viewing. We had about eight people in our group, and about half of us stuck around after the show and went and had some beer and sort of had like a daikaiju discussion of the film. We're going to get to that in just a minute, but first I do want to warn you. We recorded this at a bar. It was kind of loud in there, you know, so uh, the audio is a little rough. I'm going to do what I can to make it as listenable as possible, but it might get a little overprocessed at times. It might get a little loud at times, but overall, we had a lot of fun talking about the experience rather than just the film itself. Secondly, make sure you stick around for the news and catastrophic events. 
I'll have a very special guest because Miguel Rodriguez from the Monster Island Resort podcast will be here to talk about the upcoming Horrible Imaginings Film Festival. Anyway, I thought we'd play one track from the original Mothra, which was scored by Yuji Koseki, and then we'll get into the discussion. These are the main titles to Mothra. So I am sitting down at a wonderful local McMinimins tavern slash pub slash eatery with uh, my good friends Martin Vavra. Hey there. And Clancy is here. Hey everyone. And a brand new voice to the Kaiju cast, but a friend of mine for a long time, Gretchen, is here. Gretchen Martin, hi. Hi. And so we just actually, uh, a little while ago, got out of Rift Tracks' Mothra presentation which was very new to me. Uh, so first thing I'm going to say around the table, who here is familiar, was familiar with Rift Track stuff, like you'd seen something they'd done before you saw the movie tonight? Totally seen. Okay, so Gretchen had seen something? I was only familiar with it, but I had never watched anything. Okay, and then... I, I know the, who they are from their history, but I've never seen the Rift Tracks version. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. That's sort of the same as me. So, like, uh, I had never actually... I, like, I knew they did the 1998 Godzilla. I remember talking about it on the podcast, and for some reason I think we couldn't... I couldn't actually be there to watch it. Like, I'm just going to say, like, I was in Japan or something like that. But, like, I was totally on my things-to-do list, like, if I could have done it, but I couldn't. However, now I'm glad that I waited for Mothra, because Mothra was actually pretty damn entertaining. So they started things out with a short... Actually, technically, they started things out with a slideshow, like when you're watching the movies. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to spoil how this went for you in case you did not go for it. Uh, so they started out like a slideshow with these fake 
um, Hollywood trivia Movie things, trivia, yeah. which was hilarious and made even hilariouser by the fact that like Gretchen was trying to see if any of them were, were true. <laughs> the Little Mermaid one was real. Was it? Well. <laughs> it was a me. It was well, well the joke was based on oh, yeah, it's, <laughs> some of Disney's mis- misfortunes of having sexual innuendo crop up into some of their films or whatnot. <laughs> and the she didn't understand the joke, so then I let He's her in on, up on one box. of those. <laughs> yeah, there's something about a backpack. I wasn't paying attention yeah. to it. But yep. It was funny because I actually took a picture of this one like slide, and it happened to be the one that said, like, I think, like, fun facts or moths aren't actually scary or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then I... So I actually thought that they were all going to be, like, giant monster or Mothra-related. I was quickly uh, alerted to the fact that that is not the case. They had a Ghostbuster one. They had, on they had a lot of different yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah. they had so many different slides up. But it was funny, and they had, like, uh, comedic music like uh, Weird Al Yankovic playing and I think there was some Paul and Storm or yep. something like that so it was it was a nice little intro and then the Riff Tracks movie experience started and so uh, I wish I could remember all their names but I know Mike Nelson Kevin Murphy Kevin Murphy yep is, it is Murphy yeah Kevin Murphy okay and then the other guy, whose name I don't know. Uh, and he was the Crotee robot replacement. Oh, the replacement. Uh, gotcha, yes. gotcha. Yep, okay. Kevin Murphy was Tom Servo. Yeah. So his voice was, like, very easy for me to recognize. Because I actually, I mean, just out of curiosity, like, what's your guys' experience with Mystery Science Theater 3000? Clancy, you and I were talking about it a little bit. Yeah, I'm aware of it, and I've always, I've caught in the past snippets of it and enjoyed what I saw but I was never a diehard fan. It's probably something that I would now go revisit because I know uh, Shout Factory TV has a ton of that stuff. Tons of it. Um, there, for yeah. free up on their streaming channel. Uh, I just haven't made time to watch it and I'm definitely going to now. Um, so yeah, just a real basic. And then of course you can't be a nerd and not like have friends that love it. It just right, nobody right. smacked me in the head and said, "Why aren't you watching?" This? I'll do that now. <laughs> <laughs> so the Gretchen, Gamera one is good. Yeah, yeah the, all of the Gamera ones yeah. are good, in my opinion. No, the Mystery Science Theater 2000 Gamera one. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't, they did, they did like they did Gamera. They did yeah. Gamera oh, versus Barogon. Sure. Gamera yep. versus V. Uh, Jet. Wait, Giron for sure. Yeah, and then I can't remember a Zegra. They did and the, they might have done another one, too. They've done a couple of Godzillas. Yeah. They've they done did two the, Godzillas. They did the Godzilla Tokyo Godzilla versus the sea monster. The Tokyo toilet, whatever it was they built, the Tokyo right, yeah. play set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for their little interstitial <laughs> stuff, yeah. And so they did Godzilla versus the sea monster, and they did Godzilla versus Megalon. But those are the only two Godzilla movies that Mystery Science Theater 3000 has done. And from what I understand... There have been others that have been riff tracks or the other uh, cinema something. I want to say cinema massacre, but that is not the right term. Cin- cinema ship- shipwreck? I don't know. Anyway, whatever it is that they do, uh, I think they've done some other Godzilla movies, but I have not seen them because they've just been released online. This, well, actually, the Godzilla 98 one was the first time that I had ever actually seen Riff Tracks tackling any giant monster fair that we had 
tackled on the show. And and for the record, like I think a lot of the listeners know that I really enjoy the Gamera stuff that they did for Mystery Science 3000, Mystery Science Theater 3000. I do know the name of the show. And uh, I also really like the two Godzilla movies that they did too, but they're very hard to find right now. The Godzilla ones are because uh, Toho will never allow them to release it on DVD unless they <laughs> pay a lot of money for that. So, uh, yeah, I will. So I guess I'll just say, since I've got the mic, that I grew up, well, I went to college and saw lots of Mystery Science Theater 3000. I was the perfect age for that show. Uh, I, I watched it with my friends. I watched it kind of like whenever I just came across it. Remember back when you'd, go, you'd turn on the TV yeah, and just flip Central. through the channels and be like, oh, I think I'll watch this now without having a set schedule? So anyway, that's that's what my history was. And then I watched it a little bit through when Mike Nelson joined the show as a host. And then shortly after, it just kind of like petered off. This was... Uh, was a completely new experience for me. So, did you watch Mystery Science Theater when you were younger? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. I remember mostly like watching the horror ones. Like, um, gosh, they did. Didn't they? I think they did Return of the Living Dead at one point, which was ridiculous. And then they did a, a few um, unknown werewolf films that were like <laughs> just terrible. <laughs> just terrible. Actually, my favorite ones are like. The sci-fi movies. Yeah. Those are, just, in general, those are always good. And then, Martin, I know you are very familiar with Mystery Science Oh, yeah. I, I think it was like 1990 or 1991 when it first came to Comedy Central from being on cable access. Yeah. And, yeah. and I didn't have TV where I was going to college, but my father did. We had just gotten, like, my parents got satellite. My dad's like, there's this thing, and it's called Comedy Central, and they have this show. It's called <laughs> Mystery Science Theater 3000. You have to watch it. It's made for you. And he started taping them on VHS. Nice. And was giving nice. them to me so that I could watch them on VHS back in the day. So VHS is a cassette <laughs> that you put in a movie on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's the early version of streaming. (laughs) It's the proto-Netflix, proto-Blu-ray, proto-DVD, proto... What was the name of the werewolf film that they did? I've seen so much MST3K, I don't even remember them all. I I actually drove across the state. I lived on the opposite side of the state when the movie came out, and I drove all the way to Portland just so I could see it in the one movie theater that it was playing Uh in. At the Baghdad? Um, I don't even remember what theater it was. It may have been the Baghdad. Because I would have been like ninety five or ninety six. Yeah, it would have been ninety six or something. Because I I remember seeing it in Portland. Yeah, way before Martin and Kyle that. So yeah, yeah, almost Uh, a decade. Oh my god. So anyway, (laughs) so now now that we all know our own history, like I think we are all at least we all know that we have the ability to enjoy these films or these riffs, technically speaking, of these of these movies, be they popular movies or not popular movies. So how did you feel when, uh, when you heard that they were doing Mothra? Well, Mothra is one of my favorite kaiju. Uh, I love the film that we just went to watch. And especially as someone that hadn't watched as much of the Mystery Science show... I was, I don't want to say I was concerned. I mean, I don't, I didn't think I was going to sit there and not be able to yeah. at least get myself into a m- mode where I could enjoy it. But I definitely 
was at least wondering if I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. Um, and I was a little concerned right off the bat because, like, even before they started, they did make kind of like a little bit of a joke about the toy cars Those, and yep, toy the, cars, uh, toy buildings. Buildings, and I'm just like, oh come on, are yeah. you really going to hit this through the whole thing? Thankfully, they did not. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't think we'd all be smiling about it, or at least some of us wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I definitely um, would not be. So yeah, I, I was a little hesitant. Um, although, truth be told, it is late and very hot in Portland tonight. And that, you know, Mothra isn't the quickest and most action-packed movie, so having some <laughs> jokes going along with the uh, the pace of the film on a night like this was actually kind of uh, refreshing. Um, and yeah, I'm not as young as I used to be, I'm not that old, but I tend to fall asleep <laughs> during movies and theaters when it gets past... You know, nine or ten o'clock at night. For me, it's like seven o'clock. <laughs> After seven o'clock, that's when I'm in Doe's Dangerland. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Martin, when you heard that they were riffing on the original 1961 Mothra, what did you think? I was really excited for this tonight. Okay. I, I really was. You, you know, all of this with the kaiju cast and, and being a part of this, I've really grown to love and appreciate all of the films. I don't know that I that I love them and appreciate them is in the same way because I don't have the nostalgia there I don't have uh, the history there's a lot of things I don't have but I've gained my own love and appreciation for them but I also still really feel the flaws and going back and having something that I did enjoy watching with you guys yeah to then turn it around and put it on the riff tracks just <laughs> the flip tickle, side of, of me being fancy. like shut up we're being serious about this movie yeah. without a giant moth flying through the sky yep this you yeah. know tonight was the license to be able to enjoy yeah. all of that stuff so I, I did I thoroughly enjoyed it so Gretchen I like you said you you had never seen the dubbed version before oh when God. you heard that they were doing the that you heard about the Mothra riff tracks like did you think that's a great idea or did you think why are they doing that well at first I I was like trepidatious because I love Mothra as well tattooed yeah. on me <laughs> I love her she's so cute but I was worried they were going to mess with the, the gender stuff and they were going to make, make fun of it and whatnot. but it, I mean it ended up being it was hilarious they they made the right kind of jokes. There, the dubbing was totally scary. I that was. Oh yeah, totally we were talking unexpected. about that a little bit. Pigeon English, scary. <laughs> <laughs> there was an also. We all went. Oh. <laughs> it's another time for sure. Yes. For sure. Yes. Yeah, I was totally like. I guess Pleasantly I was surprised. definitely going. I mean, I was going to watch this because it's an event and like. The ability for us to turn it into like a kaiju cast event was pretty awesome. Uh, which, for the listeners, all we did is we just went to the sh- to the movie theaters. You know, I didn't rent out a theater and then show it the Fathom event. Like, <laughs> the theater was packed. Let me yeah, say that the theater. Yeah. I thought for sure we were going to be like maybe four of us here. Like, I thought we were going to be like. <laughs> half of the audience or something and I was really amazed that it was really 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 busy in that theater they sell out the last one I went to there really at Plan 9 the Plan 9 oh okay sold out I had no idea it would do that yeah I thought there would be like 20 of us (laughs) yeah well uh, yeah so I was really kind of nervous about it because to me Mothra is a classic kaiju film it is one that should be revered you know, I mean, it is from the what I like to consider the heyday of Japanese cinema, where they were making the best quality movies. Um, that 
uh, never means they're perfect, of course, but uh, the fact that somebody would look at the movie and go, we should target that one, that's what made me nervous, right? Like, why did they choose Mothra? Why didn't they choose a different movie? But they... They did a phenomenal job. I was uh, I was actually really happy that they did the the intro short, <laughs> like the old mystery science theater things. Yeah. If you get a chance to see it, it's <laughs> pretty freaking hilarious <laughs> and terrifying, Mister Soapy. <laughs> Soapy. I was and they, Soapy's choice. Yeah. <laughs> they surprisingly didn't go for the easy gag that Mister Soapy was not wearing any pants. Right? Did yeah. you hear me? <laughs> I think he had pants on. I think they were like because if you look at what his arms looked like, this is. Do you think there are I'm just going to apologize to the <laughs> listeners because they have not seen this, or if they have seen it. You'll know what I'm talking about. But basically, yeah, like whatever they wore for the Shakespearean times, where dudes were wearing the equivalent of tights. I'm pretty sure that's what he was wearing because if you looked at his arms, it was like Shakespearean garb. Just his arms, though, and his legs were, he was wearing, like, a reddish, pinkish, natural-colored tights. I think it did look, I was disturbed at first, yes, but then I started, kept looking. I think what it must be is that in my dreams, Mr. Soapy doesn't have pants, and I project that I, I apologize. You're the best but, boy in the neighborhood. Yeah. You're very <laughs> I, Yeah. And that is all thanks to Mr. Soapy, because right. I was... White. Scrub little Clancy. Yes. Scrub to be the cleanest boy in the world. Quite, quite the dirty, dirty cowboy. Oh, quite the dirty cowboy before Mr. Soapy taught me. Yeah, I've just been a sissy, a clean sissy my entire life. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that opening short was really cool. Okay, so the thing that I liked most about it was that they had the, the trivia cards, like when you go see the movie and you're sitting there stuck watching the stupid, stupid trivia on screen, which, I mean, I've got to say... I hate going to the movie theater just in general, but having to go there early because you want a good seat and then being stuck there and having to watch that stuff, it's like, please, please, please give me something else to do. But those were funny, and it was like a perfect like little warm-up. And then the guys, three guys came out and did their steal, their steal, their spiel, and that was hilarious. And then they did the intro short, which was also hilarious. So by the time it was... It was uh, you know, actually, the moment for Mothra to start, I was totally ready for that kind of comedic, like, take on everything. Right back into my mystery science theater watching mode <laughs> when I was in college. Um, I guess, like, so what did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? Let's let's sort of treat this a little bit like a Daikaiju discussion. Well, I think I definitely liked uh, the tone of all the jokes. Um, for the most part, they weren't making fun of the movie. They were just making fun of the situations. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, most of the jokes just landed really well. And a lot of it actually kind of played off the fact that it was the dubbed version. Um, which and, and just some of the ways that they just riff right off of, like, the facial expressions. Yeah. It just, they just dropped into that joke perfectly. Um, and then I'd say the other thing that I loved was the fact that uh, the movie looked incredible to me and I hadn't been able to experience Mothra on the big screen so they even kind of had a joke where they said if, if you're not enjoying what you're saying just sit back and watch this print because it looks great yeah it looks amazing I, I, there were times when it would be I wouldn't be necessarily laughing but I was just sitting back and 
enjoying Mothra. So, and was that a, was a digital feed off yeah. of the 35 millimeter yeah. print that they were showing in that was a 35 uh, millimeter print. In Nashville, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whoa. So so we were so we were getting the streamed feed, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Those guys probably had a really good good viewing where they were. Nashville, is that right? They were yeah, in Nashville. Yeah, they were in Nashville, yeah. Maybe there's a reason that they were in Tennessee, I don't know. But uh, I thought it was pretty awesome that we got to experience that. I, I would yes. definitely do this again. Um, what do you like about this most? Dude? I'm going to agree with Clancy, you know, and, and you guys make some really good points about this and the fact that, I mean, ultimately these guys are, are fans. So when they when they rip on this stuff, they're not, like, really digging in and being gross or really targeting it. They're having fun. They're pointing out some things, things that they recognize, things that other people don't recognize. They bring in references to things that really don't even apply to the film, but you get what the joke means inside yeah. of there for what a character's <laughs> doing, name, something like that. But ultimately, the, it's fans, and I think that they they understand that everyone coming to that yeah. is a fan of them and going to be a fan of that movie when they're not involved. Totally. So I, I really love that. I appreciate it. Uh, I did notice that they had some topical humor. Like, yes. some stuff yeah. that was like, I was like, well, that's not going to play well in 10 years, but, you know, it's well, funny they, now. They, they did bring up a few jokes that were quite topical 10 years ago. Yes. And I had to stop for a minute, and I'm like, was that like a joke from the early 2000s, late yeah. 90s? But it was fun that they did that. Samuel Jackson, like the yeah. Samuel Jackson joke. Yes. I was like, yeah. oh, that fell flat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh. They're, yeah, they're not all winners. They're, they're not all winners, but like they were good. Uh, overall, they were good. I think I heard like, uh, I think Chris Hardwick likes to say something like, the amount of jokes per minute in a mystery science theater movie is like mind boggling because oh, yeah. they just sit there and they basically like analyze each scene and try and come up with something that's going to be funny. And then they battle, I think they battle out, find out, figure out which one is going to play and land the best. And yeah. But seriously really funny and like what you said Clancy it's not like they were making fun of the movie I, I like even as someone who takes these movies seriously I never heard anything that they said tonight for the most part and I never got my like panties in a bunch about no, it like no. it was it was cool like they were they were riffing on it in a way that made me feel good about watching it you know the whole MST3K thing they, I think in the 2000s, they got a bad rap with Godzilla fans because a lot of people were saying that uh, it was opening up, and actually August mentioned this recently, like it was opening up movies that you went to go see in the theater for like Joe Schmo being like, I'm just as funny as those mystery science theater guys. Say, let me oh, yell like something at the vision. screen kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, like a heckle vision, but in person. And when you don't want to hear that, you're right. just like, I want to watch the movie. So, and then of course, there's the disrespect angle, which I'm pretty sure I've heard some people talk about. But overall, like, this, in my opinion, was the way to do it. And like, I really enjoyed the tack they took. They made, I felt like they made fun of the right things, right, you know? Like the, the pacing and yeah. the, the addition of, 
the fact that you only see Mothra at the end. Yeah, that was funny, yeah. yeah. Most of the film, like, this movie's about moths, everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was good. That was good. Yeah, it's and, like, like oh, yeah. they totally make fun of, like, the crazy jump cut editing, which mm-hmm. I'm... Now that I've seen the dubbed version again, I feel like I need to go watch the Japanese original to see if the how bad the editing is in that original one. Closes. I don't know. I don't that. know. I don't but remember the, that. the fact <laughs> that the scene were like, changes were intense. It, it was funny because like they have they go like oh we need to find out what the ambassador says or something and then it just bam you're in the ambassador's <laughs> office and like that seems very Ishiro Honda to me you know that's what they do they say oh let's make a reference and then you're there but uh, I don't know if it's like immediately like that so it was the, good uh, though every time they kept talking about how. Hey guys, this is a remember, it's a moth film. Big, I couldn't help but think of oh, the uh, War of the Gargantuas and, and the the giant buildup of having to assemble everything for how long oh, yeah, they yeah, go yeah. through all of that. And I was like, yeah. it's it's that same feeling. Like we're gonna get there eventually. <laughs> Actually, something. I totally thought that when when the trucks were like painting the big symbol on the airstrip, <laughs> I thought you were gonna start yelling like. <laughs> Uh, the thing about the men assembling things and turning the screws, like and adjusting them. Yeah, <laughs> but you didn't. You kept it. You I didn't, and it. no one in the audience did. That was a great thing. They allowed the people on the show to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was actually pretty. I thought the audience was great. Right, like they were pretty calm and like, but animated at the same time. Like we were very Portland. Nobody was like clapping during the movie and stuff, but people were laughing. It was good. It was a pretty good response. And even um, I had showed up early and saw some of the groups that were coming in, and there were definitely some family-oriented groups coming in that had bought, like, 10, 15 tickets and were taking up entire rows. And just hearing, like, kids laughing and, you know, and laughing appropriately and whatnot, and they seemed to be having a good time. And it's always awesome to see, like, a younger generation get exposed to something like an old movie like this that way, and who knows where they'll go with that. I mean, recently, uh, I went to see Planet of the Apes with some other people from the Kaiju cast, and it was the same thing. Who weren't here. Yeah. (laughs) Jeff, Rachel, Brian. To name a few. Clancy's Uh, calling you out. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, yeah. So it was, it was the same thing where we got done with the film and some guy that was probably nine, I am not a good judge of how old kids between are. Between four but, years old and 20 <laughs> years old, right? But yeah, between four and 20. Definitely dependent on the parents still. <laughs> but he got up at the end of the movie and someone said, have you seen that before? And he just had this big grin on his face and he said, no. That was so awesome, nice. and I'm just like, oh my god! It was, it was even. I, I mean, I'd seen the movie tons of times, but the point of that story is that I didn't hear specifically what was going on, but I saw a couple younger kids running out tonight, and it was that same thing where nice. they definitely look like they just had a blast watching the movie, and it's just cool to see that. So I probably should have been standing outside with kaiju cast stickers. Oh yeah. <laughs> Fail on my part. I don't need any new, new listeners, right? Like, <laughs> same old, same old, Maybe good with me. Did you cast shirt or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, that was hilarious. So <laughs> I 
meant to wear my brand new KaijuCast work shirt. Yeah. I even had a fancy schmancy microphone to stick into this phone to <laughs> get better audio afterwards. And uh, I took Hachi for a walk, and it is... Uh, what is it? A billion degrees outside? Like so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, f- yeah, for sure. It's like melting weather. Like I open si- sidebar. I had the back door of the house open, and I was just sitting there working on podcast stuff. And I was just like, "That's a hot wind. A hot wind is coming into my house." Closing the door. Yeah, yeah. So it's really hot out. That's really the point of this long-winded, hot-winded story. This is why we saw what we did tonight. Right. Yeah, yeah. We weren't going to get together, but everybody's like, ah, AC. No, the it was so it was hot outside, and so stepping out of the heat was wonderful. But uh, I don't know if they're going to be doing any other giant monster movies. I would totally go see another giant monster movie from these guys. Gretchen, did you talk about what your favorite part of this was? Um, well, besides the funny thing about the one-third of the movies got, that they pointed out over and over again. Um, it was <laughs> actually had a moth in it. Um, overall, it was just hilarious. and they, the, Their observational humor is always really good. These guys um, always blow it out of the water. They're pros, but, man. Yeah. They're pros. I, it would be fun to actually be on a team like that and like sit there and comb through a movie and find all the little foibles to point out. But uh, so, was there anything that anybody didn't like about this presentation? Was there something that bugged you? <laughs> well, yeah. So, so Gretchen is not a fan of the the pigeon English and the uh, the Columbia dub. Which, <laughs> it was painful. It was yeah. painful. I just had never heard it before, so that was my first experience. So, so next time you come over to to the Kaiju Cast, I should show you one of the horrible dubbing movies. Oh yeah, the ones that I consider to be horrible, which are like the ones from the nineties. I hate that dubbing, and it's not, but it's not the pigeon English Japanese thing. It's like really the blandest dubbing. I actually, oh my god, you guys. I feel like I saw something that had... Wait, what was our last Taikaiju discussion? We watched a dub thing. The last one? I think I missed the last one. No, no, no. Troll Hunter wasn't dub. There was a dub of Troll Hunter, but there was something else. Like, I want to say the one one before Troll Hunter had, like, literally the worst dub that I have ever seen. And so now I I guess I'm giving the Heisei movies a break, but... (laughs) They're still horrible, like really horribly dubbed. Just like flat language or? Like they've got a team of three people and they don't vary the way they talk. So like the little kids sound exactly like the women, you know, and the the dudes all sound identical. It's just meh. Yeah. Toho is using their international dub crew in Hong Kong, I think. Anyway, this dub was the same people that do the AIP dubs from Citra Sound, I believe. If you want to know more about that, listeners, you can check out the uh, commentary on the Mothra DVD by Steve Rifle and Ed Gojicheski, because it's pretty awesome. Um, but, yeah, this was... Uh, so, for me, that's the kind of dubbing that I like. That's the kind of stuff that... For the it's like It's stuff. nostalgic. So, that's, I think, why... I think that's why a lot of people really like it. But I can see why people today might, especially like young people, 
like you. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, but like, but I'm but older than Clancy. But the, <laughs> but I mean, like young, like somebody today yeah. who has never seen a Godzilla movie, if they saw Monster Zero, they might be like, whoa, why are people talking like that? That's super racist. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, that's just like that's just the way it was, man. I so guess I just hadn't. I just didn't know that this dubbing existed because yeah. I've just always watched it in Japanese. Well, the Japanese is superior. In yeah, my yeah. But yeah. So like, but I just mean like, you'll get the exact same experience in uh, the original King Kong versus Godzilla uh, and in uh, in Monster Zero and Godzilla versus the Thing and those those movies. So anything anybody did not like about this? I, I uh, loved every bit of it. It was great. It was yeah, great. I, I uh, and I didn't mind the the dub on it because to me that was part of the fun. <laughs> sure. I, I think they purposely chose when they chose this film they chose uh, wisely with all of that. That was all part of the fun. Well, and it would have been a little difficult in the setting to have subtitles. True. Oh, impossible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure. and, yeah. So I, I didn't really have, a, and I thought that was the right choice too. Um, yeah, I, I really didn't have any negatives. I mean, it's like anything with uh, rapid fire jokes like that. Like you're watching uh, an airplane or the, you know, uh, what are the cop the, movies? The naked Leslie gun movies. movies. Yeah, yeah, where it's where they they do it's. There's a little something for everyone, so obviously you have your points. I don't see this as a negative, but there always is going to be those down points where you're like, you know, oh that wasn't really working for me, but. Kyle's laughing, so he's having right. fun. So that's good. It's like it, it hits everyone, and um, so yeah. There are a couple of groaners. I don't remember what they were. <laughs> I mean, that whole thing where they're like firing off so many jokes that it's it. You don't focus on the ones you hate, unless you're just like, I'm gonna keep that one and save that nugget <laughs> of dislike for telling people about it on the internet. But. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah. Back but, in the day, that used to happen. I mean, I remember when Joel, and there would be times when he would, like, reference something, and it's like, I have no idea what he's talking about. I yeah. don't even have, yeah, some weird cerebral thing I'd have to go research. Well, there's almost something <laughs> There's almost something fun about a joke not working when it's in a setting like that. Yeah. Especially if one of the other hosts can riff off of it. Oh, yeah, that was funny. Um, there was, like, one time where Kevin, I, I think he flubbed his joke line, and then he just kind of, like, petered off at the end and was like, yeah, sorry, guys, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, thought, I didn't realize how much um, Mothra looked like testicles when she was in her cocoon <laughs> until they pointed it out for me, and I was like, oh. Oh, these nuts. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> Plan B is some neighborhood kid's going to come over and kick it really hard. It was funny, man. It was totally worth it. I can't swim. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I'd highly recommend it. Like, what do you think, Clancy? You'd definitely recommend this specific yeah, presentation to somebody, right? I would 100% recommend it. Um, and if you're on the fence, I would say it's worth checking out. I think you could sit back and at least embrace some of it if you don't get into all of it and again just watch Mothra on the big screen if that's all you get to do but yeah it's worth it's worth spending it's a good night out absolutely oh, totally worth it absolutely yeah and I, Gretchen's also agreeing totally worth yeah. it no I totally so I think it would be great if this thing happened more often and I mean I'm not 
begging the Rift Tracks guys to tag more kaiju films necessarily, right. but like I would like to, I would definitely want to do this again. Like I definitely want to find another excuse to go see a Rift Tracks event in the theater. Halloween. Yeah, I might be. I might be out of town for that, but we'll see. We'll see. Actually, I probably will be out of town for that. But anyway, uh, yeah, once again, out of town for a Rift Tracks thing. But yeah, I thought it was great. I think uh, if you, yeah, like Clancy said, if you're on the fence or if you, maybe if you aren't familiar with Mystery Science Theater 3000 or that format, maybe check it out, you know, like go to the Shout Factory TV website and watch something. I would suggest Laser Blast. Oh my god! Oh, yes, I actually, Laser Blast so is pretty good. But actually, in, in all honesty, hands down, I would suggest the Gamera versus Giron Mystery yeah. Science Theater 2000. That is my classic go-to. Yeah, yeah, that one's really. Do they do they have the Gamera ones on Shout? I think they do, and if they don't, they might have them on Netflix. I mean, I know too. they definitely have Gamera all yeah. over oh. Shout TV, but in YouTube, yeah, just Hulu. Oh yeah, Hulu's got them. Yeah. Huge chunk of them. Yeah. Anyway, uh, actually, just kind of curious, what favorite MST3K or Rift Tracks thing that you've seen? Well, it's definitely going to be this one, because it's the only one I've watched from beginning to end. Uh, nice, so, nice. Easy, easy. Easy answer, answer easy answer. So we, went, we started easy, and now I'm going to ask Gretchen. Plan 9. Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yes, that was so good. I don't even know how I pick, man. There's Manos, there's Mitchell. Manos, yeah. Mitchell is so good. Oh, man. <laughs> Mitchell yeah. is so good. Mitchell, 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 don't watch Mitchell as the first one if you right. haven't seen it, because yeah. Mitchell is where they transition from Joel yeah. to Mike. Yeah. So it's good to get a little history <laughs> in there. But, yeah. Uh, okay, so my obscure... Treat for Mystery Science Theater 3000 is Attack of the Eye Creatures. Yes, I have that one. Fantastic. Fantastic, yeah. Totally worth watching. Anyway, uh, I think that's pretty much good. So, yeah, if you haven't checked it out, maybe they'll have it up for sale or something on their website. Well, depending when you post this, I do believe that there is another event either this That's weekend right yeah, I think it's like next week 20 something, or something like we're already that, yeah. at the 18th so it might be yeah, they Saturday or Sunday so if you listen to this too late you're out of luck but yeah check your local listings I guess uh, yeah. there's a website you can go to yeah. rifttracks.com slash Mothra I think to learn more information about the screenings and I know for a fact there were two in Portland and I chose this one because it was the first yeah the <laughs> other the one's first. a rebroadcast of this one but still, you can yeah. go and enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely you can, yeah. Totally worth it. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. Okay, some really cool Shin Godzilla news. Um, as you are aware, probably, Shin Godzilla opened at the end of July. It's almost been a month of it being in theaters in Japan, and apparently it is doing pretty well. The box office reports are claiming that Shin Godzilla took the number one spot in its opening and in the second week. In the third week, it dropped to number three, and I think that's due to the newly released Disney and Universal films, The Jungle Book and The Secret Life of Pets. Uh, there are still reports coming in for this fourth week because I'm recording this Tuesday morning and there's just, I don't know why there's a delay, but there is. 
but apparently it did okay for this fourth week in the theaters as well. Now, I'll have a link in the show notes to the Box Office Mojo page where I get that information. But we're going to move on to the next item. The Tokusatsu Network is reporting that Shin Godzilla has become the highest-grossing Japanese Godzilla film. According to an article posted last week, Shin Godzilla has now earned $31,170,000 at the box office, surpassing the Legendary Pictures Godzilla 2014 film. They are also saying that in addition, Shin Godzilla has now surpassed Godzilla 2000's $27 million worldwide take to become the highest-grossing Japanese Godzilla film of all time. And also that Toho is projecting that the movie will earn around $39 million during its domestic run. And I'm just going to add a little commentary here. I think I'm pleasantly shocked that this has happened. You guys have probably heard me say that I didn't really know if we needed another Godzilla movie. I wasn't really sure if Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi could pull off something that actually made the world care about Godzilla again. But I am definitely prepared to be like totally wrong when I get to see this. Hopefully in a theater in America, and you're right, that exactly is a segue to our next item. Now, there's been no real announcement from Funimation when Shin Godzilla is going to open in theaters here in North America. However, some internet-savvy fans have been able to discover via a couple of different websites that somewhere in the country, Funimation is going to be releasing Shin Godzilla on October 11th. Now... I'm not saying that it's going to be opening in your city October 11th. I'm not going to be saying that it's opening in my city on that day. If I recall, their release of Attack on Titan was totally staggered. So it opened in some cities on one day, and then people had already seen Attack on Titan by the time I got to my screening in Portland. But I can't remember. I'm actually, I tried to find that information, but I don't know. The internet has failed me this morning. Anyway, all I'm saying is I'm going to have a link in the show notes to a Gormaru Island post about this topic. And in addition to that, make sure you just, you know, practice keeping your eyes peeled. Look at Fandango every once in a while. Also, just, you know, keep checking the inner tubes to find out when Shin Godzilla is going to be playing near you. Because hopefully it will be. Next up, and also, you know, keeping in theme here of Shin Godzilla in theaters, this is not like news for you to anticipate, just kind of a little cool little fluff story about Hideaki Anno joining a crazy screening in Japan of Shin Godzilla, where they apparently were allowed to cosplay, bring like light up sticks and uh, be loud. It was sort of a fun, crazy screening, like I said. Anyway, I'll have a link in the show notes to an Anime News Network report on this special screening that took place. It looks like it was a lot of fun. Now, the next big news item for Godzilla is that Toho has apparently announced that they are going to be making a Godzilla animated feature film. I don't know too much about this. This is one of those things where it's been reported that it's anime. It's been reported that it's going to be CGI. It's not really something that I'm keeping track of just yet. I'm kind of waiting for more information. But if you want to learn everything that pretty much is available at your fingertips right now, check out August Ragoni's blog. He has an article that he wrote on the 18th about this upcoming Godzilla animated film. And of course, I'll have a link in the show notes to that. Okay, we're bridging the news and the catastrophic events. You guys ready for this? Starting last week on August 17th and going through September 4th in Yokohama, 
there is a brand new Godzilla exhibition called the Kingdom of Great Special Effects Exhibit. I'll have a link in the show notes to their website, but it seems to be very similar to what I saw in 2014 for the big Godzilla special effects exhibition. What I will say is that if you are in Japan during the time that this exhibit is going on and you've never been to one of these, you have to go check it out. It's like a requirement if you're a major Godzilla fan. I mean, I was blown away by what we saw on display in that exhibit. Okay, still another one in the sort of bridge from news to catastrophic events. There is a cool event happening in New York. Now mark your calendars because this is actually far out into the future. The Japan Society is bringing in Japan's forever young techno-pop band Hikashu and special guest musicians, including the spunky sister duo Charan Polrantan, to put on a concert showcasing the remarkable range of music composed by Akira Ifukube. So that is happening April 28th. That's Friday, April 28th, 2017. That's what I'm talking about. This is very far into the future. But I'll have a link in the show notes because I'm just going to guess that you're going to want to be part of this concert if you're in the area. Okay, now we're going to take our uh, future fishing line and reel it back to the present day stuff. If we're going in chronological order, that means that I need a little help. Please welcome Miguel Rodriguez to the Kaiju Cast once again. Hey, man, how's it going? Oh, it's great. I'm happy to be back after, I don't know, a couple of years maybe. Yeah, it's been a little while, but I'm really excited to talk about the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival for one particular reason for me, but also <laughs> I think that what I've always thought what you've done with this uh, festival has been awesome. So what do you have in store for this year's film festival? Well, uh, it's definitely bigger. So we've grown to five days long. It was three days for the last few years. So it's uh, it's it's gotten longer (laughs) and mostly that's to uh add more films obviously and add a little variety and awesome yeah um so that's big uh the the kinds of films we show are diversifying a little bit uh including um making sure we have documentaries every year uh and that also pertains to you yeah a little (laughs) bit yes (laughs) and uh and yeah i guess i think that that is one of the things that I'm really trying to do is is make this a bigger and more visible event, mostly because that is what I offer filmmakers. You know, the more visible we are by by default, the more visible they get. And as a film festival, that's ultimately what we want to do is is put the spotlight on people who do good work, you know, so that that's that's really what I'm aiming for. I'm already planning next year and, and <laughs> what's going to happen then. Wow, man. You have yeah. uh, you've got the the site set far away. That's pretty incredible. So, tell me a little bit about what's going to be happening this year at the film festival. Well, um this year first of all, one way that uh we're adding content is not just film but literature. So, I've always tried to do a little bit more than than just film um in addition to, you know, uh networking and VIP events and things like that, but also spotlighting uh, different kinds of expression. So literature, performance, art, and that kind of thing. And this year we're doing that, uh, especially with the with the lit section, because we've kind of infused it throughout the festival. We're going to have tables dedicated to genre, sci-fi, and horror literature. Um, the 
the Horror Writers Association, the HWA, will have a table there. Some publishing groups like Zero One Publishing will be there. And we're going to have a literature panel. Lots of authors are going to be there, like Brian Evanson, Laura Lee Barr, um, Lisa Morton, John Skip, Cody Goodfellow. And so adding that literature portion is is part of what we're doing. And, uh, you know, performance art Saturday night, we're actually leaving the theater, going out into the park, and we're going to have um, kind of a dark-themed aerial circus act um, and uh and almost ballet <laughs> wow man you yeah, really are expanding cool. <laughs> uh and then that's going to be followed by the authors are going to do like campfire readings outside in balboa park which you know that's one of the things i really want to take advantage of is is the location you know if, if we do have an edge over um you know, something that sets us apart. It's our location in Balboa Park. So I'm sure a lot of people might not be familiar, but in San Diego, one of the places that's kind of a must go uh, in addition to what everybody thinks, you know, the beach and that kind of thing is Balboa Park, which is this gigantic oasis right in the middle of the city. It's huge. Uh, the, The world famous San Diego Zoo, which is a monster just a monstrously sized zoo is is just one piece of Balboa Park. What and, an appropriately uh thematic description as well. A monstrous yeah, sized zoo. Oh, that was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. Um but swish. <laughs> um yeah, so we're located in the museum section of the park, which it it's so bizarre. It's one of the first things that kind of drew me to San Diego because you're driving in downtown and and even like maybe not some of the best parts of downtown because yeah. it's, it's a little bit east and sometimes you're like, okay, I'm passing uh, some abandoned former retail spaces and the uh, homeless tent area and it's kind of depressing and oh wait okay so we're gonna take this street up here and suddenly i'm in like this gorgeous amazing park um that's been around you know it just it's celebrating its centennial uh so it's been around for 100 years and uh it has these amazing mission style buildings in it including a giant cathedral but all these places have kind of been turned into museums so one of the museums is the Museum of Photographic Arts, which is, it has a beautiful theater uh, with all kinds of projection capabilities. That's where we have this film festival. And uh, and we I want to use the park. It's just this magical land, and especially the park at night. It's kind of surreal because all of these old mission-style buildings made out of stone, and they, they're all lit up in, in bizarre colors like cobalt blue and and green and it's just a weird place to be at night uh it's kind of magical and and i want to take advantage of that setting for for something wild and and i you know having all those authors there i thought you know saturday night after dark having some like horror tales like old style campfire stuff going on I thought that would be really cool. I hope other people think so too. It and then sounds after that, really we'll... awesome, dude. It sounds like a like I've never heard of anybody else trying anything like that. So that's rad. Yeah, well, you know, that's those are the things I'm, I I like to try to open up what 
people would expect from a film festival. And also, you know, we, we started off as a horror film festival. We largely are. I mean, my definition of that is broad enough that it brings in different types of films that, that might surprise people. But also, I mean, the using stories to kind of creep people out or explore dark corners, that's been around for, you know, as long as we've been on this planet. And uh, I want to... I want to bring that back a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. Good, yeah. sir. So are there any particular films that you're looking forward to? I mean, I know I could say the most conceited thing I've ever uttered on <laughs> recorded <it>. media, <laughs> but uh, I mean, you must be looking forward to Thursday night's screening of Hail to the King, <laughs> 60 Years of Destruction, my friend. Of course I'm looking forward to it. I've been waiting for this since since oh, uh you were on my podcast promoting your your Kickstarter campaign for this. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so, yeah. glad it can be part of it. But what else? What else are you looking forward to film-wise? Is there anything that the the listeners, especially those in San Diego, just yeah. have to come see? Well, you know, we've got some really amazing films, uh but some of the big ones like opening night, we've got this film Tag directed by Sion Sono, who did Suicide Circle, or a.k.a. Suicide Club. Uh, he did a film called Cold Fish, which is really good. He's, he's this prolific auteur of the bizarre. Um, uh, and even a, even some of his more dramatic stuff, like Guilty of Romance is a film he directed that I really love. But uh, <laughs> this film called Tag, it's yeah. based off of a, uh, a novel in Japan. It's actually not the first time it's even been adapted, but it's it's insane and it's getting its california premiere actually uh at the festival first night and that one is basically it's japanese schoolgirls in crazy situations i, I don't want to ruin it <laughs> sure 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 if you watch our trailer yeah the opening scene is from that movie okay well <laughs> i will also say that uh i'm familiar with the with the name of the movie tag because my girlfriend and i want to watch it strictly based off of the bus scene that's in, yes. the, in the trailer <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's going to be a big draw, I think. It, it's going to be completely bonkers. And we're hoping to have some uh, interesting things at the festival introducing it with us. So, um, you know, we, we like to couple the films with great introductions and and so, to give it more of a community feel and, and more of, you know, it's more than just going to the movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Tag is a big movie. Beyond the Gates is another one that recently won the uh, – took uh, the award at the L.A. Film Festival. It's uh, – you know, Stranger Things is a Netflix show that's really big right now, taking advantage of the 80s nostalgia thing. And, sure, yeah. And, yeah, in a lot of ways, Beyond the Gates has uh, has the same thing going for it. it it's about a uh, – remember those VHS um, board games? <laughs> oh, my gosh, Yes. Yeah, oh my gosh! I haven't those. thought about one of those in a really long time, but yes, <laughs> yeah, like Captain Power and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> it's about one of those. Uh, it's a VHS board game that you know communicates with the netherworld, and mm. yeah, so that it's a lot of fun and and definitely a throwback with great like synth score and all that. Um, there's a movie called The Greasy Strangler. And it's produced by Elijah Woods, a uh, production company, Spectre Vision. Uh, 
directed by this fellow Jim Hosking, and it's I don't know how to describe it. We're closing with it. It's completely off the wall. Uh, not really a horror movie, more like you know, kind of pink flamingos meets uh, I honestly nothing else. It, it, it's very unique. <laughs> unique. Uh, unique. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like you a unique film. It's a it's. <laughs> Yes, it's it's hilarious. It's it's um, basically it's a comedy, um, and uh, oh man, I'll just put it this way: one of my favorite uh, two-word reviews of it is "unappealing nudity." <laughs> unappealing, okay, yes, but still intriguing nudity. and unique. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now you have a uh, lot of guests at the show too. I'm I'm looking at your special guest page, and it's huge. Yeah, you know, we've got, well, like Beyond the Gates, the film that I talked about, we've got the director and a bunch of the actors from that coming. Um, I wish we can get Sion Sono here, but all the way from Japan. But um, yeah, a lot of the filmmakers show up. The authors, as I mentioned, are listed as special guests. Um, and we're showing something like 62 short films. So a lot of those filmmakers is, are coming as well uh and it does it doesn't it really provides a great networking opportunity uh both for local filmmakers here in san diego and also for those traveling filmmakers to you know get to know each other and and perhaps work with each other in the future and and that's ultimately one of the benefits of a film festival i think uh, um you know a filmmaker really gets the most mileage out of being in a film festival if he or she actually travels and puts themselves out there and, and gets to know people. And I, I know that can be a, you know, a, a huge expense, but um, one thing that's lucky about us being here in San Diego, you know, we're close enough to LA and, and the, you know, kind of the Mecca of filmmaking here and at least in the U.S. And, mm. and so we do have access to a lot of filmmakers, but we have filmmakers, you know, we have one filmmaker flying in from the Czech Republic. Wow. Uh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? He made this film. It's a, uh, it's a, like a fairy tale based on a Czech um, well, fairy tale <laughs> and it's called Leshy and it's outstanding. It's so good. So I'm kind of thrilled that he's making the flight because that's one of the films I'm really excited to show. Um, and also like some in terms of short films, it, I could go on and on cause you know, I could say like you said that I'm being, uh, you know, very, uh, big headed about this or, uh, narcissistic, sure. but honestly, um, you know, I didn't make them. I just chose them. So really, this it, all of this credit goes to the filmmakers and the amazing job they did. Like Leshy, uh, we have a film called Little Boy Blue from Australia, which I've never seen. It's rich and gorgeously shot and perfectly acted with um, a child, a little girl actor who's just like amazing. Such a great actor. And it does go to some very dark places in that film, but really well done. I can't wait for people to see it. Um a short film called When Caesarus Stirs, which people are like, what are you even saying? Say that uh, five times fast. You know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's based on a, um, a short story and it's Lovecraftian. It's got wild practical special effects that really harken to that perfect age of like John Carpenter's The Thing and that, those kind of effects. Um, 
And it's it's just such an experience. I can't wait to show that one. When Sisturus stirs, Sisturus stirs. When Sisturus stirs. Um, <laughs> I hope Spanish, I didn't mess you up well, on that, man. <laughs> oh man, no, I love it. Keep it all in. Um, <laughs> There's a Spanish sci-fi movie uh, where, I mean, the the acting is great, the cinematography is great, but the sets are really standout. I mean, it, it looks like um, they're on there. It's in the movie Alien, and uh, it's it's one of my favorite short film titles of all time. The film is called "They Will All Die in Space." <laughs> I wonder it's what's just... going to happen at the end of that movie. Yeah, exactly. It kind of reminds me of John Dies at the end a little bit. Nice, with that. yes, yes. Very cool. But it's such a great title. So I'm looking, oh my gosh, I could go through the list, but there's a lot of Night of the Slasher and, um, uh, oh God, I don't even have the list in front of me. I'm going yeah, off the no top problem, of my head. No problem, man. No problem. The Disappearance of Willie Bingham. Uh, <laughs> some really great stuff. I've got another documentary called the uh, last Pinoy action King, which is great because I have two documentaries that have King in them and they're about cult film icons, but <laughs> <laughs> um, it's about a, uh, an action star from the Philippines in the late seventies and eighties, uh, Rudy Deboy Fernandez. And uh, I like, you know, it's, it's not horror in any way, shape or form, but you know, I always think that there are things that fans of the genre all have kind of unifying them. And one of those things is going to the video store when video stores were still part of our lives and seeing that cult section in, you know, maybe not in a blockbuster necessarily, but in some of the real you oh, know, yeah. mom, mom and pop video oh, stores. Yeah, yeah. And some of the crazy like kung fu and action movies and foreign films and all that stuff in that section, that's really what I'm trying to appeal to uh, with with that. And I, I'd really like to include a lot more of that that feeling in the festival going forward. So uh, I couldn't say no to that one, especially, you know, if I went on the street and said, hey, you, did you ever see, you know, Rudy DeBoy Fernandez action films from the Philippines? Probably nobody. <laughs> would be able to say that's yes. a no from me at least yeah I mean. <laughs> so uh that's another thing it's like oh man you know this guy made so many movies i, I yeah this is something i want to get the word out about and, and you know put a little spotlight on this guy i think that would be that's something i want to do well that is awesome man so for the listeners out there this is happening in san diego california and kicks off on wednesday september 7th and goes through sunday September 11th. You can get tickets via hifilmfest.com. And of course, I will have a link in the show notes to the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival website. Uh, Miguel, is there anything else you want to let the listeners know about this? Um, you know, one thing that I, I'm very proud of, I get this comment every year, and it's uh, the fact that our film festival you know, while it, it started small, it's getting bigger. We still maintain a very community feel where I try to make it a, a very comfortable, welcoming environment where, you know, some film festivals, the regular audience necessarily doesn't feel comfortable or or sometimes a regular film festival can be like, oh, I don't really belong there. And I'm trying to make that not this one. I just want to put a shout out too. I just went to Fantasia Film Festival in Montreal and uh, 
and they're a gigantic genre film festival and they have just they've got that aspect down to a science nice it was my first year there and it was one of the most welcoming and and wonderful times i ever had and that you know if i was going to say you know as a as an inspiration it's definitely that it, that's what i want um i don't have any <laughs> delusions that will ever grow that big but um but if I could maintain the kind of environment that they foster at uh, Fantasia, then I'll be very happy. Very cool. Very cool. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about the film festival. And, of course, I appreciate you uh, putting Hail to the King, 60 Years of Destruction into the lineup as well. I really hope that everybody who shows up for that enjoys the movie as well as all of the other amazing sounding films that you have picked. Thanks, man. Yeah, we're showing your film with Gemu. Did I tell you that? No. Yeah, yeah, that short film with um, Yasutomo Yoshida is the DP on it. I know oh, you met him actually yes. at Monster Palooza. I did meet him. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're showing his basically Tokusatsu Kaiju movie, <laughs> 30-minute short film with uh, Hail to the King. And Dude, it's a perfect what pairing. what a crazy good pairing. Oh, yeah. it's so good. You're awesome, dude. Thanks. <laughs> you're awesome yourself Kyle. Yeah, I, me on. I'm so glad you're doing this I, and like I was saying earlier this year when we were talking I can't believe you've been doing it for so many years it's great well hopefully I stay alive long enough to keep it going <laughs> <laughs> alright man well take care of yourself and thanks so much for being on the show again and best of luck with everything for Horrible Imaginings and of course beyond yeah, and everybody, I love kaiju, I love giant monsters, so come and share the love. <laughs> share the love. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Kyle. You bet, man. All right, so if you are in the San Diego area, make sure you check out the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival. It sounds like it's going to be an amazing time. And of course, Hail to the King is playing, so you, you know, support your local kaiju podcasters, right? Anyway, the reason I can't be down there is because I will be at Rose City Comic Con, which is happening September 10th and 11th right here in Portland, Oregon. Keith Foster is letting me hang with him at his Kadoja booth. And it's going to be booth 820. In addition to another KaijuCast versus Kadoja event, we are going to have our Portland cityscape there. So you can come by and take a photo. It's going to be set up a little bit different than it was last year, and we're definitely going to have stuff for sale too. So I'll have my prints and uh, Kaiju Core merchandise for sale. Keith will have comics and music for sale and prints, and it should be awesome. In addition to that, we've got a panel at 2 p.m. on Saturday called Kaiju Oddities, where we're going to talk about some of the more obscure kaiju films and share that with the audience. And it's also going to be recorded for a podcast to be released in the near future. Also, don't forget that Alien Khan is bringing the Godzilla guests Haruo Nakajima, Kenpachiro Satsuma, and Tsutomo Kitagawa. Oh man, I'm going to have to think of something really cool to do with them on the podcast. Hopefully I can make that happen. Anyway, I will be going down and checking out that convention, so hopefully I will see you there. That is October 28th, 29th, and 30th in Santa Clara, California. Now, I'm sure there's some other stuff I'm going to have to talk about at some point in another episode, but for now, I'm going to need to get going. Remember, if you found the podcast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, point your web browser to kaijucast.com and see everything that we are about. Every single episode is linked to up there in addition to our Daikaiju discussion schedule. 
Speaking of the Daikaiju discussion schedule, it's too late to send in your homework now, but we are going to be recording an episode for Reptilian, the Korean 1999 or 2000 film that is apparently a remake of Yongari. That'll be coming up next week, so make sure you keep an ear out for that. Also on KaijuCast.com, we have links to all of our social networking sites like Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, Instagram. Gosh, the list just keeps going. You can also find, like I said, all the links in the show notes to this particular episode's news items and catastrophic event venues. You can also find links to all our friends' websites like Sci-Fi Japan, The Good, The Bad, and The Godzilla, etc. Now I'm going to go ahead and close out the show with one final track, and I thought, you know, because this was all about Mothra, I thought it would be really fun to play um, a different Mothra song for the ending of this particular episode. So this is actually by Adam Ship, and it is their song called Mothra. So I'll leave you with this, and we'll see you for the Daikaiju Discussion episode next week. Jamata! Mothra versus the world. Let's play. Mothra versus the world. Let's play. Mothra 
sad. 